We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with me is TJ Inman, and we will uh, sadly put a wrap on the 2019 college football season as it ended last night with LSU taking the national title over Clemson, 42-25 in a what looked like a defensive battle to start out with, uh, turned into shootout, turned into blowout. Um, college football game and and what a season the 2019 uh, season was for both IU and for the sport of college football celebrating its 150th year Uh, before we start we have some words from our friends over at my bookie I don't know about you guys uh, but for me a game is 10 times more exciting when I'm putting my money on it sometimes I have a gut feeling about a matchup and sometimes I'm just betting on my team because my, they're my team, although my team are the Jets and the Knicks, so uh, usually I am betting against them. Regardless whether you've been betting for years or you're ready uh, to play for the first time, my bookie is your best bet this season. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites uh, this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing, go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you really want to support your team this season, don't just sit on the sidelines. Get in the game at mybookie.ag. And if you join right now, mybookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code CHAIR, C-H-A-I-R, to activate the, the offer. That's promo code CHAIR to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. And with that, we bring in uh, TJ Inman. TJ, the college football season has sadly uh, passed on after last night. Uh, How did you feel about the the season? And and we'll get into some IU news as well. Uh, but let, let's put a bow on the 2019 season first. Let's start with the national title game, a 42-25 uh-huh. win for LSU. Joe Burrow had an outstanding um, – outstanding is not even a good, good enough adjective for him – a ridiculous uh, college football playoff. He threw 12 touchdowns, um, no interceptions. Basically, he looked uh, – otherworldly out there in LSU. Uh, the, the talent on that field yesterday with Clemson and LSU going back and forth for most of the game, uh, it, it was uh, astonishing and, and, a, and a great way to end the 
the college football season and move into uh, year 151 after um, after year 150 provided so many uh, highs and lows. Uh, what was your takeaway from the game last night? Uh, you know, we talked last week. Both of us picked LSU, and um, yeah, I, I don't remember what I said the score was going to be. But uh, honestly, I was not too surprised. I, I was just extremely impressed with LSU the entirety of the season. Um, look at what they were able to accomplish this year. Uh, believe that I, I read um, or heard. Uh, the final AP poll, they defeated five top ten teams um, and did so by an average of 20 points a game, which I, that's going to be hard to top uh, for anybody. And, I, you know, I don't think it's fruitful to get into conversations of uh, or comparisons of, you know, them versus uh, teams from – past decades and different eras of college football but uh in terms of this current era that is as good a team as i have seen uh, and certainly the offense was as unstoppable of a force as i have seen uh in my time of watching college football i i i think that there were probably more physically dominant teams um and probably more uh maybe defensively dominant teams, but just strictly from an offensive force uh, and, and how unstoppable they were, uh, that LSU team is as good as I've seen. And, and Joe Burrow, the improvement that he showed from last year to this year is uh, unexplainable. I, I, You know, you look at his numbers from, from the previous season to the player he became this year, uh, which, you know, look at any metric, and he had as dominant of a season uh, that you can possibly have uh, in, in college football. And then you consider he did it in the SEC against the schedule that they had. Uh, they deserve a ton of credit, and I, I as does Clemson. Um, you know, obviously, tremendous winning streak came to an end for them. Uh, but LSU, I, I think that the amount of athletes they have on defense that can make plays. And then I just look at the playmakers that offense had. I mean, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, uh, to Darius Moss. Uh, I, I don't know how you go about stopping those guys, and the answer is you don't uh, because nobody was able to go all year. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is, you know, as, as great as Joe Burrow looked, man, he had a lot of weapons uh, on the field, Thaddeus Moss had two touchdowns. You had Jamar Chase had you know nine catches in the first uh, in the first half with, with a couple touchdowns. It was just, um, I mean, it was just impressive, and uh, it, it's fun to watch. And it was a a fun, it's just an overall fun season. But let, let's let's focus on IU. Um, and congratulations to, to LSU. And then let's focus in on IU, TJ, since we are an IU podcast. Uh, but we did want to get a, a word or two in on on the national title game because it was a fun watch, and especially if you watch the the coaches room um, the coaches room broadcast. Which, if 
if you like that stuff, it's a fantastic thing. If if you're more into the game atmosphere, you know, record it and and go back into, uh, you know, go watch uh, watch the the regular broadcast as well. Uh, so let's get into some IU uh, football news. Uh, we saw Coy Cronk has entered the transfer portal. His destination has yet to be announced. He can still return to IU if he would like. Uh, but it looks like it's safe to, it's safe to say that uh, he is out the door, uh, which is kind of shocking. He's, he put in a lot of work, uh, you know, staying with his team uh, throughout the season after his injury. He, he coached guys up and uh, and things like that. So it, it, it was kind of a, a shock to see him put his name uh, into the, the transfer, transfer portal. But how does this affect the line going forward, TJ? It it was certainly surprising if, you know, we, we thought it was a possibility that Koi Kronk would not be on the team next year after his injury, but we thought that'd be because he decided, you know, he didn't want to risk further injury and took his chances uh, to try and make an NFL roster. But um, I don't think any of us really saw a transfer coming, so that was surprising to say the least I think it's um, apparent that he wants to play tackle uh, believes that, that that's what he's capable of, of doing at the next level um, I don't think that's the case necessarily I think everything about him screams guard from the NFL if anything um, but you know, he certainly has earned the right to, uh, to try his uh, try his skills elsewhere. For Indiana, uh, Bedford and Jones are coming back at tackle, which is the reason Kronk uh, would not be playing one of the starting tackle positions. Uh, you know, Bedford, I, I think, just has a much higher ceiling than Koi Kronk does uh, at left tackle, and then Caleb Jones is entrenched at right tackle and could not play any position on the interior of the line. He's just way too big for that. Uh it makes the acquisition of Dylan Powell uh, all the more important. He's a guy that you can plug in uh, to one of those interior positions. Uh, and then Kerry Kreider, you look at him as, as another um, returning starter, if you will. I think Kreider likely will be uh, will be starting at center. Uh, I think it's likely that Powell's going to start at one of the guards. Uh, and then you're, you're kind of looking for a, a fifth and, um, at this time, I don't think there's anyone necessarily that you would put in permanent marker uh, as to who that fifth starter would be. Indiana definitely has younger linemen that uh, they like. Uh, it's going to be up to those guys to maybe step up and have to play as a starter or heavy rotation spot uh, a little earlier than maybe you'd ideally like. But hopefully those guys are ready. Uh, it's not something that's going to catch Indiana out of the blue, they've got uh, all off season to prepare and, and get that line uh, to mesh as a good unit. But really, it's the only question mark on offense heading in the next season. Yeah, it, it kind of takes you out of your plan that uh, Indiana had with, with moving Kronk inside and, and things like that. But it's also you, you're kind of playing with house money. He he was not supposed to. 
he was not supposed to have a fifth year. It was because of a catastrophic injury that, that he got it. If things went to plan, um, he was not supposed to come back for, you know, a fifth year unless something bad happened, something bad did happen. Um, but let's, uh, let's also look at some staff, some staff updates. We saw Kalen DeBoer take the head coaching job at Fresno state and Indiana had to look for a new offensive coordinator. They have made that hire. They officially announced it on Saturday ahead of the, uh, Ohio state game and a big win for IU basketball there. Um, but they announced that hire. It's, it's going to be Nick Sheridan. I, I know the fan reaction was exactly what we expected. TJ was, what are we doing? Why are you hiring Nick Sheridan? He's, you know, he came with Mike the board and all that stuff. Well, it's people wanted to keep Kalen DeBoer's system. They wanted somebody with experience in that system. They wanted somebody who knew this team uh, and, and things like that. Nick Sheridan was kind of the logical choice um, in that thing. I don't know if they interviewed outside anybody from outside the program. It would be if they knew if they knew it was going to be Nick Sheridan the whole time, and these quotes coming out. Uh, from DeBoer and from Allen indicate that that was probably it. And everybody is very high on Nick Sheridan. He, a couple of years ago, he was, uh, you know, one of the top 30 coaches under 30 by 247 sports. If, uh, you know, we talked to some Tennessee people down at the Gator Bowl, they absolutely loved Nick Sheridan uh, and, and things like that. And it wasn't like you're talking to a Purdue guy or an IU guy when Daryl Hazel was at Purdue and you're like, oh, yeah, I love Daryl Hazel um, and, and things like that. Or Purdue, you know, a Purdue fan about, uh, I, I guess, Archie Miller um, or whoever can't beat Purdue in basketball or something like that, where it's like, yeah, keep the guy um, and, and things like that. But I think it's a good hire. It's keeps some continuity. The players, I, I think, really like him. He coached tight ends this year. Peyton Hendershot set, set the single-season record for catches and yards in that. Uh, he's a film room junkie. I talked to, to Richard Lego. Um, I reached out to him after he was uh, – after Sheridan was announced as OC. He absolutely loves the guy. He says he's a great coach, loves his players, is a film room junkie. Uh, and, you know, we'll see. We'll see if this is – it is going to be a defining moment of Tom Allen's tenure because now you ha- this has to work. You, you cannot take a step back and, um, and have the offense go back to where it was a couple years ago. But I think Tom Allen has enough – uh, goodwill built up to where, hey, trust the guy, and it seems like a pretty good hire. What is your opinion on this uh, promoting from within from Nick Sheridan? And there's also some corresponding moves with that, TJ. Uh, Mike Hart mm-hmm. was elevated to associate head coach, and Grant Hurd was named as co-offensive coordinator as well. Right. I, for me, everything makes sense. However, um we are not going to be able to pass judgment on this until 
we are into games where plays are being called. Uh, look, the offensive coordinator has a ton of responsibilities outside of what we see on game day. However, uh, what is most important and easiest for us to judge uh, as a you know as a fan or, or a person just watching the game is what happens for those you know 70, 65 plays um, that Indiana is going to run every Saturday. Uh, how does Nick Sheridan, you know, on those key, it's third and three, uh, you know, at that 35-yard line, uh, what does Nick Sheridan dial up? You know, there's there's just those flashpoint plays uh, of every game that are how it's going to define whether or not this is a viewed as a success or, or a failure or somewhere in between. Um, so we're not going to know, but I, I think – as much information as we can possibly have right now. Uh, I did not have a problem with this hire at all. I think you, you brought up a key point saying that Indiana wanted to have uh, continuity in the offensive system. Um, it would have been very difficult on the players and it wouldn't have made very much sense with as much skill as Indiana has and talent as IU has coming back on offense. It would not have made a lot of sense to go to yet a different offensive scheme and philosophy uh, and and way of calling plays, the terminology, the language used, the signals used, switching all that and having to spend another off season uh, on, you know, install, if you will, uh, that wouldn't have made a whole lot of sense for Indiana to do. Uh, It's not like you are uh, needing a rebuild. Um, What you did on offense worked it makes sense to to try and continue with that. That doesn't mean that Sheridan's going to be a copy of Kalen DeBoer. Uh, He is his own man and I'm sure has his own ideas and his own tweaks on uh, how to best utilize Indiana's personnel. I think ideally what you get is he's going to take the best of what Kalen DeBoer did, build on it and tweak it a little bit to what he thinks is best. uh, And maybe, you know, you notch up the offense just a little bit, progress a little bit, and that's something that can help you get over the hump from, um, you know, what Indiana did this year, eight wins to replicate that and get a ninth. That's, that's what you're looking for ideally. Yeah. Um, it's, he's a good recruiter too. And it, it just, it, it makes sense to do it that way. And, um, you know, not now they had to fill the tight ends coach, which looks like it's going to be uh, Kevin Wright from IMG and formerly of Carmel. He has deep ties to Indiana. He's ties to Florida. It seems like that that's going to be. I don't want to call it a sneaky, really good hire, uh, but it is because it, it is a good hire. Uh, but it, it's one of these ones that might slip under the radar as a as a tight ends coach coming in. Um, you know, IMG. He was, I think, forty-four and three at IMG. He was. He he lost only eleven games in five years at, at Carmel as well. Uh, it, it's just, I think that's a really, really good hire, especially on the recruiting side. You get another guy who's been down in Florida at one of these powerhouse high schools. He knows the Indiana high school system very, very well. He coached at Warren Central. He coached at Carmel. All these teams that you've seen win state titles at the highest levels in in the state of Indiana are 
he's got an inact. So, you know, what are your thoughts on on Kevin Wright? And and his dad is a a legend um, in Indiana. He's still coaching at Sheridan, I believe. Uh, but what yes. are your thoughts on Kevin Wright coming in as tight end coach? Yeah, his dad is Bud Wright. Uh, Kevin played for him. Uh, coach at Warren Central, won a state title there. Coach at Carmel, won state title there. Uh, went to IMG, and if you look at the players that he coached at IMG, which that's not something to take lightly, that is kind of akin to a, a college setting. It's um, a college preparatory school and academy that he recruited nationally uh, to bring players into that program. So um, it's not the same thing as college football, but, I mean, it, this guy – has an impressive resume, all kinds of connections. Um, I was extremely excited when I heard about Indiana bringing him in and him coming back to Indiana. Um, I think it will make a massive impact for the Hoosiers on the recruiting front. As far as his position coaching abilities, I I won't pretend to know, um, you know, how well he'll do with tight ends, but I, I have no reason to doubt that he knows what he's doing uh, with that position group and as an asset to the offense. Uh, I think it's, you know, a young offensive play caller and Kevin Wright, I think, I'm sorry, and, and Nick Sheridan, I think adding Kevin Wright uh, as a, you know, very experienced uh, coach, just a, a football guy. Uh, I think that that just makes a lot of sense. And then you add in all the recruiting connections that he has um, to me, it, it, was an absolute home run of a hire made by Tom Allen there and a really huge addition to the staff. Yeah, and there's still a couple staff or at least one right. position to fill with with special teams coordinator. It looks like William Inge is heading out to Fresno as well uh, with mm-hmm. that. So we'll see where they go from there. But let's uh, let's take a look back, PJ, at, at – um, at some of the the highlights from this year, uh, just a, a little best of 2019. We'll go with an IU play. So, which play was your favorite of the year? A a, uh, a game. Which game was your favorite of the year? And then overall performance. Uh, I'll, I'll go first. I, my favorite play of the year might be the Jamar Johnson pick six in the Gator Bowl. Just to take everything else away from that, just that play at that moment, uh, it was so big. If IU had held on to win, that would probably be the best moment of the year, uh, no doubt. Uh, but since they lost, it, it kind of could put up there with Ramsey's touchdown against Purdue, the Stevie Scott touchdown at Nebraska to put them away. Uh, but I'm going to go with the Jamar Johnson, uh, the Jamar Johnson pick six in the Gator Bowl. Um, it, just a huge, huge, huge play. The best game. It, it's uh, this one's another tough one. I, I'm going to go per, up at Purdue for the bucket to get that eighth win in in double overtime in the rain in the crappy weather in the mud uh, rivalry game. A big performance from Peyton Ramsey, big performance from Wap Fillier. You saw them overcome some special teams miscues. You saw Charles Campbell come off the bench and hit a big field goal 
uh, with that. And then uh, my my performance of the year is Peyton Ramsey at Nebraska. Uh, that was an unbelievable uh, performance. He took the team back from down 14 to three, battled battled back. Uh, he took his shots. He Michael Penix is not playing that game uh, due to injury. He, he didn't want to throw Jack Tuttle in in front of 89,000 people. He knew he had to stay in there. He took hit after hit, even though there were plays where it looked like he shied away from taking contact because he was in that much pain. He completed 27 passes through 351 yards, had two touchdowns, um, made made some unbelievable runs as well. It, it, it was that game summed up Peyton Ramsey's year, in my opinion, and to go on the road and yes, it was a four and three Nebraska team at the time, but to go on the road in, in front of close to 90,000 people, get that win when nobody else thought that, that they, um, that they would uh, maybe some IU fans, but that that to me was the performance of the year. So let's go back to you, TJ. Uh, what was your favorite moment of the year? Well, uh, you know, we ended up falling kind of in lockstep on this. Uh, my favorite moments of the year, uh, I, I went with Peyton Ramsey's touchdown against Purdue in double overtime. Uh, it's to steal the bucket. I will remember that one for a a very long time, uh, just the joy that those guys had on their faces to get that win. That meant a lot to them uh, and to that staff. Um, so I remember that. Um, best game or best uh, best win, um, you know, I, I think the most entertaining game outside of just the sheer nervous energy that uh, that was there the whole time, uh, the most entertaining was, was the Purdue game. Um, I think the, the best Indiana game though was was winning at Nebraska, uh, and, and the best performance I, I agree with you was Peyton Ramsey just for the absolute guts and toughness that he showed that afternoon in, in Lincoln. It, it, that was a, a fired up place. I know multiple guys uh, cover Indiana have uh, have talked about how incredibly loud that was, um, and how fired up that crowd was, and you know Peyton Ramsey just didn't blink and got the job done for the Hoosiers and uh, such a massive win for the program to get that done. Uh, so I'm going to fall in lockstep with you there. Um, I, I do think that there's some other tremendous moments, but, but that's what's going to stick out to me as I look back fondly on this, this season. Yeah, those, it was a fun season, although it ended in a loss. It was just a fun season that hopefully has created some sort of football culture around uh, Indiana and, and has fans going to the games and being excited again and not just, yeah, the the, the way they lost the bowl game is, is going to feed that doubt monster in, in fans' heads. Uh, but, man, an eight-win season at the beginning of the year, everything you, you thought would have to go right for an eight-win season uh, and, and a shot at nine wins. And then you had Coy Cronk get hurt. You had Michael Penix only playing parts of six games. Uh, you had a field goal kicker go 0 for 3 at Purdue. Um, you played a, a backup quarterback on the road the second half at, at Maryland, on the road at Nebraska. 
um, and, and things like that. So it, it was, you know, yeah, the, the competition that they played wasn't where we thought they would be. We didn't think that, the, uh, you know, Nebraska would be 5-7 and seven again. We didn't think that Northwestern would be a 3-9 and nine team. We didn't think Purdue would be 4-8. and eight. Uh, And, you know, Maryland, you, you kind of saw is rebuilding with the new coach, and, and Rutgers is what it is. But, you know, you, you thought Maryland was going to be a tough game, and it was. And you're on the road, and you got that win. And Nebraska was a tough game on the road. You got that win. Uh, you, you cruised against a Northwestern, a Northwestern team that won the West in 2018. Uh, so it was an incredible year, I think, for Indiana football. And I think momentum going forward, you have a lot of it right now. And it's something that momentum, the old baseball adage, momentum's as good as your next day's pitcher. Uh, well, Indiana is going to find their next day's pitcher. Next up for IU in all of this is – the February signing period, it looks like they have, it looks like they have a couple of uh, spots opening with Coy Cronk. Uh, we'll see if they head to the grad transfer market, if they go with, you know, a high school player. We'll see how they round out that class. They do have to round out that class well because they do have holes to fill now. Uh, you, you would need an offensive lineman. You need a defensive lineman. Uh, and some other things. Now, Watt Billiard's coming back, which helps you keep your playmaker at the slot at receiver. And then after that, uh, spring practice is going to be right around the corner. Uh, usually spring practice starts around mid-March. Uh, they take a week, you know, they practice a few days, take a week off of spring break, and then go back to practice and have um, the spring game usually the week before the little 500 race, but we'll, we'll see when the official schedule comes out, but everything is now accelerated because of the late bowl game. You know, we're sitting here and it's, and it's January 14th already. And that first Wednesday in February is going to be here before you know it. And then spring practice, and then you get into the summer and preseason and all that stuff. So uh, TJ, what is one thing that Indiana has to do? Uh, Indiana has to do to uh, carry the momentum into 2020? Well, I think the, the big obvious thing is get Michael Penix healthy uh, and, and keep him healthy. Uh, the, the second, and I, I think probably equally important thing, or perhaps more so really, uh, given the depth at quarterback, um, you know, regardless of what Ramsey decides to do, uh, is develop a pass rush. I think IU has to find uh, some difference makers in the pass rush that are going to uh, allow them, you know, you're not going to be getting after it every play, but just get a few because IU's close. They are close to winning uh, against some of these, you know, higher up teams in the Big Ten. Uh, you just need to have a couple of difference making plays from a pass rusher. Uh, that, that can turn those close losses into close wins. That's how you build. Is, is you turn those close losses into close wins. We've seen it against the teams IU is, quote, supposed to beat. Uh, now it's time to see it against those teams that are a little bit ahead of them. Uh, Michigan State is one that comes to mind right at the top of my head. Uh, and uh, Illinois is going to be another one next year that's kind of a toss-up game. You know 
you can get and you you should get at home, uh, but I is going to need those defense difference making plays from the defensive end position, uh, and I think finding that guy or developing that guy is a huge priority. Yeah, it, pass rush is one, uh, but to me it's it's I'm going to go with special teams again. Like, teams like Indiana, they need something to go right on special teams. You need a game breaker outside of the field goal kicker. You need somebody who could get you those hidden yards. You know, instead of starting at the 25, you could start at the 35, get an extra first down. They didn't have that this year. You know, David Ellis at times looked like he could break one. It never really materialized. He ended up bear catching a lot of stuff towards the end of the season, which was fine. Um, He did have the one return in the bowl game, which set him up pretty well. Uh, but then you look at punt return and you look at a guy like Watt who is so explosive and so dynamic, yet he did, he was probably a negative in the punt return game, if we're being honest. Uh, he, he fumbled, regardless of whether or not he touched the ball at Penn State, he should have been nowhere near it. That, it was put to the referee's hands. The referees made that call. The replay review upheld it, um, and it gave Penn State new life and a, and a touchdown in a seven-point game, uh, things like that. In the bowl game, he had a negative six-yard return or something, didn't really do anything in that, um, and that really cost them as well. There was just there was no juice in the return game that they needed. Uh, Hayden Whitehead was fine. I say, you know, he had a very, very solid year. He hasn't been the game changer that he was in his first year, but he's good at pinning people inside the 20. Uh, and when he booms it uh, and spiral kicks it, he could kick it as far as anybody. He just needs to do that a little more often. But it's great not to see Hayden Whitehead kick it 85 times uh, like he did in the first year. Uh, also on special teams, you, you look, Logan Justice is now graduated. He exhausted his eligibility. You have Charles Campbell coming in. Logan Justice just imploded down the stretch. And you, you look at the performance against Purdue, I don't think he recovered from it. The missed extra point in the bowl game cost him the game. The 52-yard field goal, his leg is strong enough. He didn't hit it right and, and things like that. And, yeah, sure, some people said uh, Allen iced, iced the kid and things like that, but he didn't ice the kid on, on the extra point. And so um, special teams really, really needs to uh, be a game changer. You saw it, what it could do when you had Mitchell Page and um, Mitchell Page and Jason Harris back there returning punts and you could change games with a big return. You saw it against Michigan in 2015 when Mitchell Page took a punt return back for a touchdown. Uh, and then Jason Harris against Michigan a couple years later had a big punt return to set up a score and and, and things like that. So uh, to me, special teams is going to be my the area that needs to improve the most. Uh, and that's it, more than the defense. It's these things need to get done. And they, there's no, no more penalties on punt returns, no more penalties on kick returns. Uh, if you can't get if you can't get clean looks on on these returns, just fair catch it. Uh, zero yards is better than negative 15 or, uh, you know, a negative six-yard return. Don't try to do too much. Uh, but 
those are these those extra first downs that late in the game, you know, can either flip the field uh, or turn a field goal into a touchdown or a punt into a field goal and put points up on the board. And, and that's something that Indiana needs to do is get those tack-on points. It, it kills them in these close games. They don't get enough tack-on points. And, you know, it's, it's like in hockey when it's always the next goal. Do you make it 2-2 or is it, three? you know, 3-1, uh, things like that. But TJ was a, a heck of a season, and uh, we'll, be, we'll be back ready to talk about 2020 soon. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Uh, it sounds like your kids are ready to go run around and have some fun, so I'll leave you to it. Uh, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks, everybody, for listening all season. We, we enjoy it and uh, hope, hope you guys um, have gotten a lot out of this. And, we'll, like you said, we're going to jump into the offseason with both feet and uh, cover a wide range of topics all offseason, including IU football and that, the national landscape, of course. Uh, looks like there could be a developing story in Penn State that we might be talking about next week. Who knows? There's always something in college football. Yeah, keep your eyes on Happy Valley if you're uh, you're a Big Ten fan. All right, thanks, uh, thanks, TJ. That does it for tonight's show. That does it for the 2019 season uh, of shows. We'll be back uh, next week to talk uh, some recruiting, some other news if it pops up, and all those things. But thanks for joining us this season. Uh, we loved having you along for the ride. You can follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore Huddle. You could. Find us on the internet at HoosierHuddle.com. Look for our new Facebook page as well. Uh, We'll get that up and running. And enjoy the rest of your Tuesday evening. And the off-season is here, unfortunately. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. 
JJ has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts.